Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me, as always. You can check out our stories at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com, however you want to get there. Lots of stuff coming out of this weekend. Uh, definitely the off season for football and basketball and spring spring football. I'll have a little bit more this week uh, to, to come, more of the less time-sensitive stories. And basketball, obviously, the the combine NBA draft stuff. So we'll have some podcasting stuff. We'll do some recruiting talk on Thursday's podcast. But this weekend was the NFL draft and Michigan for the second time in three years had a, what I would consider a noteworthy haul of, of players picked. Uh, we'll talk about the history and, and a little bit of that stuff in, in the next few minutes. But this, this direct, this podcast will be all draft focused looking at this past weekend what's to come for some of these players, what it means for Michigan, and also taking a peek at 2020. Anyway, Steve, uh, Devin Bush drafted 10th. Rashawn Gary drafted 12th. First time in, in since 1941. Michigan has had two top 12 picks, just the fourth time they've had two top 20 picks, which is kind of hard to believe if you think about the, the history of Michigan football. But, uh, you know, in, in other, other ways, 81st consecutive year they've had a draft pick. I'm curious, looking at day one, both both t- players drafted by arguably the two most stable franchises in the NFL. I guess what stood out to you about day one? I know we had talked about a potential Rashawn Gary slide in the past. Uh, we've also talked about Devin Bush's stock rising. Um, Steelers traded for him, which they don't do very often. They did for Santonio Holmes and Troy Palomalu. Those were their only other first-round trades this millennium. What stood out to you about day one and, and also the the situations those two are walking into? Uh, you know, if I'm a Steelers fan especially, I mean, you talk about perfect fits. Uh, I kind of feel like, in a way, you could argue he was, he's the type of the way he plays. He's sort of born to play uh, for at least the Pittsburgh Steelers defense or, or the way they've played that we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, great pick. Makes sense that they trade it up as as rarely as they do trade up. It makes, like I say, that's and that's kind of where my thought process is: is that it makes total sense, though, uh, that he'd be a guy that they trade up for because he just he's going to be a great fit in that culture. Uh, I think the city, the fans, are really going to grow to love him uh, and watch him develop. Which, I mean, yeah, any of these guys have to, uh, there's still development to go, but I mean, he's also walking into a situation where he's going to play immediately right and could be a mm-hmm. guy that makes a, a really big impact right away so big big pick for them I think it was like I said great fit uh, just all around uh, cool to see his family so supportive I think it's really a probably an angle that I kind of didn't think I covered enough is that you know it, it's cool that his dad got to kind of be there uh, for his development at Michigan and kind of watch him grow into the player that he is. His parents, his, his family's great. I know any story, I think, or any time I've ever mentioned him, and I know I'm not the only one, uh, mom always likes the tweet every single time. I don't know if I've ever mentioned him in, in any capacity where, where she hasn't retweeted and, and favored it or whatever, the, the tweet. You know, I mean, he's just got such a strong support system. You can see it in the video. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that five-minute video where he got to talk to his family. You know, that, that's the stuff that I always like about this draft weekend. Uh, that's always the best stuff to me, you know, especially when, you know, these are guys that have covered for a really long time. 
you know, and so to see that for, for Devin was a great deal. Uh, just he's one of those guys just feels like, you know, it's going to take something drastic, you know, injury or something, you know, out of the norm for him not to succeed at a high level in Pittsburgh. So big, big one there. Uh, the Rashawn Gary pick is, was interesting to me just based on what Green Bay is not what they sound like they want to do with him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the versatility angle. I thought that was kind of interesting. I do know, or, or people probably know, uh, former Michigan D-line coach Jerry Montgomery is actually the D-line coach uh, for the Packers. He was gone before they really – I want to say he's probably one of the guys, though, because Rashawn was such a highly recruited kid so early. Uh, I want to say that he's probably one of the guys that kind of got the ball rolling there for Michigan in the very, very early stages. Uh, I mean, Gary was recruited by, by a program when he was in, in eighth and ninth grade. So, uh, yeah, I think he went to an Ohio State camp as an eighth grader or ninth grader and ran like a some, I can't remember, like a 10-9-100 or some ridiculous <laughs> number. Uh, you know, and that was way back when. And so he was already kind of being recruited there. So, you know, I guess I would guess Montgomery maybe had some familiarity there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the versatility angle I thought was really interesting. Uh, you know, it's funny that here we are saying maybe he'd be more effective inside in the college game. You know, people say right. maybe <laughs> shift him inside and, uh, you know, put, put Quiddy Pay or somebody else. You know, maybe the unit could perform a little bit better. And now we're talking about, they're talking about him as a linebacker. Uh, Going to be interesting. I mean, again, he's another guy, though. I, I He's one, I think. Uh, better pro college and he'll have a better pro career than he did college career Uh, I think he's one of those guys that his ceiling remains as high as it ever has and the other thing too is I don't I don't think people realize that he was just not 100% last year uh, at all and you know nobody's I know many out there aren't going to give him the benefit of the doubt for that uh, but I will uh, you know as as far as you know why I think he's going to end up being another guy that is going to be a good pro I thought I saw some like Julius Peppers type. Of, maybe someone else made that comparison. Maybe I read that. And no, that I've seen it. Yeah, head, yeah, but, yeah. Right, you know, and like, but that's I, I can see that though. And and uh, again, just his that pure athleticism. Uh, NFL teams still drool over that stuff, and and he's not a guy that's going to flame out as far as like the mental and emotional aspect of the game. I mean, he's a guy that loves the game. Uh, loves it deeply, has for as long as I can remember. You know, that's never been kind of the issue there. So it's, uh, again, another guy. I don't know. I feel good about both of these guys playing at a high level in the pros, the day one guys for sure. Well, and it, it is worth noting. I mean, people are like, well, there's never, you know, there's no sure thing. But at the same time, you look at, I was, I did a lot of research on draft history coming out of Michigan and just in general. Usually, I mean, there aren't as many draft busts as people think. Uh, maybe a lot of our readers are Lions fans, and there have been a lot of draft busts in Detroit, and and there's always you know there's busts with quarterbacks, but like they were both top twelve picks. Michigan hasn't had, I mean, there's Taylor Lewan, and that's it in the last eleven years as far as top twelve picks. And so so these guys are both, I mean, they're name a college name a player at Michigan in the last ten twelve years. They were better than that, at least in the eyes of the NFL and. Uh, you know, Bush, it's interesting that um, the only t- the, the previous two picks to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the past 20 years for that came out of Michigan were Lamar Woodley and Larry Foote. And it's interesting going back and looking. And, I mean, they, they traded up even higher 
to get to make sure that they got Bush. So it's, I mean, they really do see him as a future pro bowler. Uh, you know, Rashawn, I, I think even Green Bay acknowledged they're kind of taking a shot here. But he's someone, I think, if a team is all in on Rashawn, I think you can take that to the bank a little bit more than, say, another high potential guy because he's always been scouted. I think the Packers scout, it was interesting hearing his thoughts. Um, you know, he, he mentioned they've been scouting him since the day he stepped on campus. And it's not, you know, it's not like some like, oh, he had a good year. We got to make sure we check him out. I mean, Packers are close by. They're going to everything. And as you said, Montgomery probably is a part of that recruiting. So, you know, there was talks about slides. I'm sure there are teams out there that wouldn't have taken him. But they seem to have the familiarity and the comfort with it. And I mean, for them, on, even on the night of, to talk about the plan that they have for him, playing outside linebacker, that makes me think that they... They really see it happening. I'm, I wonder if there's a, if there's a prototype because I think, at 280 pounds, obviously he'd be pretty big for an outside linebacker. But if they can get him, if he's someone that can lose 10 more pounds, and just embrace the speed, and and maybe it's a little less focus on the technique, a little less focus on, you know, the different different angles you have to take as a defensive. You know, you can just be a really really fast guy that can tackle really hard. Um, you know, I could see it happening. I could see it working. But, yeah, I thought – I remember in reading the scouting reports and there were NFL teams that were thinking he could play on the interior. So it's – you know, and, and the Packers will know that. Like, I, I think the scout said, you know, they plan on using him in a lot of different positions. But they – I think I think they want him to be more of a 270-pound guy who can run a four-five-five, than maybe going the other way. So, yeah, it was interesting. Um I do think, you know, obviously they have to do it. They have to develop, but for them to both be to pick top 12 by teams that have a combined 14 playoff appearances in the last decade. So these are teams that know what they're doing with talent. I think that's notable. You know, if it was like, I don't know, the Lions or, uh, you know, like the, the Jaguars, teams that have had talent but didn't never quite got it all the way to its full potential, I think you'd feel a little differently, but... Yeah, I think they both landed in great spots, and and I, I do think Steeler Pittsburgh fans are gonna love Devin Bush. I mean, who knows? I I could I could see Green Bay fans loving Rashawn Gary, um, and once he's healthy, right? He's got the. I think it's if you didn't think he was, if you thought he was milking it or whatever by now, um, it was literally announced this week that he had a torn labrum during the season. So, <laughs> kind of. Take that for what you will, you know, right? For for him to still have any numbers, I think is significant. Uh, but anyway, on to day two, Chase Winovich fell, uh, at least from the projected spots to 77th. David Long, I'm not sure. 79th might have been around where some people had him. But um, Winovich, 77th to the Patriots. Long, 79th to the Rams. Uh, two best teams in the game right now I don't think it's even an argument or a discussion at this point uh they're established at those positions they don't necessarily need these guys to come in and play right away but you know Long gets to go home to to LA and play with I think Aqib Tlaib uh some of their other cornerbacks escape but they've got some good ones and then Winovich with the most going to the, the literally the there could not be a team maybe the Packers <laughs> that is more up Chase Winovich's alley. Um, so, so it almost feels like he's going home, even though he's going to Boston, um, just in his ability to 
I just this the culture fit and everything they have there. Your thoughts on on the day two picks and and we could throw Zach Gentry into this discussion too to move things along. He went to the Pittsburgh Steelers fifth round. There's talk of him not being drafted. Clearly, the six foot five, two hundred and or sorry, six foot eight, two hundred sixty five pounds, four seven eight forty yard dash. Um, clearly, someone was real, willing to take a chance on him and a team that actually needs a tight end right now. Right. Uh, so with Chase again, it's just the th- that's the theme here, I guess. Is like these. And maybe it's because these are winning teams. I guess I don't know. Maybe so we're just kind of. Uh, you know, it's like that. It's not to say that if like the Dolphins hadn't drafted David Long, that we wouldn't be saying it's a good fit, right? But it does seem like that these guys are all going to a uh, to franchises that are very capable of maximizing out uh, or maximizing their abilities. And then again, yeah, with Long especially, I think that's like just such an added bonus to go back home. Uh, so I, I suppose some would argue that maybe sometimes it's not the best thing for certain people uh, to go back home. You know, when you come home, you might be surrounded by people with their hands out, uh, you know, that type of deal. But yeah, David, yeah. never been that. He's one of the most, uh, what's I say, like wise, you know, uh, you know, one of the smartest prospects, best, one of the best interviews uh, I know that I've ever done since I've been doing this. Uh, very intelligent guy. Again, a guy I think who, again, would be a guy that the guys, uh, that's the thing I said that going into the draft is whoever drafts David Long is going to get a guy that is going to be loved in the locker room too. You know, and we'll see how, you know, like we will all these guys, how they pan out on the field. But um, they're definitely getting good people. You know, and then obviously with Chase, who, you know, I kind of broke my homer wall a little bit when he got drafted this weekend with the the hell yes uh when the patriots picked him he's just been such a pleasure to cover and get to know uh for the last like really about six years now uh that you can't help but be you know pretty happy like for him and and the opportunity to play in new england you know of all places Hmm. and uh you know i think he's it's been a, it's funny you know because at this point he's only so established and stuff but I mean people got to remember it it was a long road for him to get just at Michigan uh, to get to where he's gotten now and you know I think uh, you know kind of the realization of all that the culmination of all that uh, on day two it was just really cool one of the better one of the more enjoyable moment definitely one of the more enjoyable draft moments that I've had. Uh, since I've been doing this, was to see him get picked by New England, see the phone call, all that stuff. It was just really cool because uh, he's just a legit guy. Uh, I think most people probably realize that by now. What you see is kind of what you get with him for the most part. And, uh, you know, again, another just perfect fit. You know, Belichick could barely contain his excitement uh, when he called him to tell him that he was going to uh, be drafted by New England. I, I don't know if anyone actually watched that video. but I didn't he see it. Did but, not tell yeah. Uh, it was just total monotone, monotone Belichick. He didn't really sound excited oh, about anything <laughs> at all like he usually does. Uh, it was really, really funny. I, I had a, uh, definitely laughed out loud at that. Uh, people have to go watch it. It's easy to find. I think, I think I'm sure Chase retweeted it, something like that. So, um, no, all four of these guys, all four of the first four perfect fits. And then with, with Gentry, see, I'm not like, 
I'm not super surprised that he got picked. I know he had a bad pro day, but the potential remains there. Mm-hmm. And you could argue that that he had one really bad game. You know, and unfortunately yeah. for him, it was a big game against, you know, the biggest rival. And now, of course, you know, fans will never, ever, you know, uh, you can basically wipe out everything else he'd done in his career. Uh, again, I'm, I'm speaking from the perspective of some, um, you know, that, that you know, all, everything he had accomplished until that point is pretty much wiped off the board, and that's all people are going to remember, which is unfortunate because it's debatable, you know, like with, they wouldn't have won that game even if Zach Gentry had played the game of his life, you know. Um, it, but but it, I, I think it's pretty clear why a team would take a shot on a guy like that. So you see where he got drafted, and then you see where, like, say, Isaac Nauta got drafted, hmm. who I know the, the Lions uh, and their press and uh, their phone call with their reporters, I think, did mention, though, that, they, that Nauta to them was by far the best player left on the draft board at that point. And I think they kind of feel like they got to steal with him, but with Gentry, the physical traits, mm-hmm. you know, he's just there's he's different than a guy like Nada, you know, who will have to rely much more on being a sound blocker and you know not dropping any footballs. Whereas Gentry just has, you know, he is he's an upside pick, and I think we knew going in that anybody if somebody did draft him, that's what it would be. Um, far from a finished product, but in my opinion, credit to the Michigan staff. I mean, he was recruited as a quarterback and they got him drafted as a tight end you know and, and mm-hmm. to me it doesn't you don't have to get drafted in the first couple rounds uh to for there to be tangible proof that you've developed a guy you know and uh and with jet with zach clear indication you know that they made it they would he be a dra- would he have been drafted as a quarterback or if he had become a quarterback who knows what would have happened right i mean right. i think it's clear that this ended up being the best, just about the best case scenario for him. I mean, you could debate if he had come back this year and had a big year, could he have been drafted higher? I think that's definitely a possibility for sure. But he's drafted; he'll probably sign a contract, and you know he'll get the same shot he would have if he'd been drafted a couple rounds higher next year, right? I mean, it's just the, the onus is on him. So yeah, well, and you never know with the targets. And st- I mean, they've got a lot of guys they got to throw to this fall. Right, so I, right. I understood his decision. Um, and I, I think having seen what his mentions looked like on last November, what the 4th November, whatever it was, uh, even, I don't know if that's why he went, but I could see that side of things too if, if, if he just wanted to like get a reset button. Because, yeah, I mean, teams are going to be patient with him, probably more so than a lot of players because he is, what, three years removed from becoming a tight end? Uh, by the yeah. way, you know, that's an all-time what if. What if he had become quarterback because – I don't think he was – was he always 6'8", you know, in, in high school? Yeah, or did he six, grow an inch or two? Um, a little bit, but he was still really tall. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing with him was that quarterback is that he was fast. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he could run very quickly for a guy his size. I think a lot of people saw a potential dual threat, like a, a very large dual threat. Not, I wouldn't even, man. I wouldn't maybe. I wouldn't say dual threat necessarily, but a guy who would be able to, who would be able to make plays outside of the pocket with his feet. Hmm. And um, no doubt, now it was the right call for Michigan, right? Uh, you know, easily. And, and and like I said, if he had come back again for another year, is there? You know, is I'd even say it's probably likely that he'd perform well enough and maybe been drafted a little bit 
first or second rounder. You know, he'd have been a day two guy at best. Right. Day what's you know day three. The only difference is is that the, that first contract he signs is that there's going to be a little less money involved. I mean, that's really the only difference uh, when you start breaking it down round by round. Well, and tight ends you know, are so random that. too. I mean, it's so hard. I mean. Even if he did come back and say he, I mean, even if he like won the Mackey, I mean, you just never know which team is gonna like you and which team isn't. So, no, I think I'm guessing that he probably got a slightly higher draft grade when he made his decision than what he was picked. But at the same time, as you said, I mean, he's going to a team that that lost their tight end in Jesse James. I mean, they have other options, but he's going to a team that needs tight ends, and he's. He's got. He can do things other tight ends can't do, and so I think, I think it's a good He's spot very for similar, him. Very similar to Jesse James, really. Mm-hmm. Once he puts on a little bit of weight, I mean, James is built. You know, is a really tall guy that plays tight end. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. So anyway, yeah. So let's let's close up this. So I I posted a story today, looking at some of the numbers behind this draft draft class i should say uh harbaugh's definitely getting some draft picks in the in the four years that he's been here his first four years they've had 21 draft picks that is the most since 2000 to 2003 when they also had 21 michigan hasn't had more since 1990 to 1993 in the four years prior to harbaugh's arrival they had 11 picks so he's getting two or three more guys to the nfl per year than what michigan was doing before and that 21 is also seventh in the country. Um, you know, obviously, some usual suspects ahead of them. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, Miami snuck in there, Florida snuck in there, and LSU, obviously, they, they, they're doing it too. But, Steve, you've mentioned before, it's getting to the playoff or competing for championships and getting to the pros. feel like this class helps that cause, at least the latter part of it, because... I mean, they took, you know, these guys were all rated a little bit higher than 20, 2016. They turned a lot of, a lot of molehills into mountains, but I don't know, just see, I, I don't know if you have a sense for the early impressions from recruits or, or from Michigan coaches, you know, maybe getting some of these higher draft picks, more guys in the, in the top 100 than pre than previously. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about next year in a little bit, but it seems like this is, this is becoming a little bit more of the norm, similar to what it was in the '90s and 2000s. Again, yeah, oh yeah, and rec- of course, recruits take notice of that, right? Um, is that Michigan's? They're not all. They're not at the top, right? But they're never. It's, you can't. You're not going to get to the top overnight. I mean, it takes. It's. You know, and I know it's hard to wait, right? But. I think what the thing that was interesting about your piece is it did illustrate. I definitely it's a tangible illustration of the gap that Michigan's had to close uh, with Ohio State and others. You know, and that that gap it's it's closing. It's not closed though, mm-hmm. and it's going to continue to take time to close it. But yes, there are. I mean, the early returns I would say are 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 pretty positive uh, when you consider. When you, especially you consider some of the guys who, you know, are still going to end up playing in the pros that are on the current roster. Uh, you talk about the development aspect of yep. things. Um, so no recruits, 
especially uh, recruits definitely take notice. I think it's it's all those random things. Sometimes you'll see different recruits will like when we post like stories about you know so and so drafting the second round or something like that. You know, like recruits will favorite that stuff. Hmm. That's just, I mean that's I mean what more of a tangible indicator are you gonna get? Right. Let's call every kid <laughs> and every kid and ask them like what they think about you. This is you know which sometimes isn't the best way to go about it when. You know, a lot of times if it's a national type guy, I mean, they're being recruited by Alabama, Ohio State, whoever, you know, the schools that are, you know, have, have been doing this a while, who have been consistently, have a longer track record at the top of those lists, right? So mm-hmm. not always the best deal to say, hey, what do you think about Michigan getting some guys drafted? You know, because their response could be, not that it would be, but could be, well, there's some other schools I'm considering who have, been put on, have put a ton of guys into the draft. Alabama's know, producing uh, 10 a picks of, a year, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they say that uh, Saban's had more first-round draft picks than losses Wow. Alabama. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that tells you how ridiculous, yeah. you know, what they've done is, is uh, I don't know what will. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's from a, from a draft and developmental standpoint, Michigan obviously – clearly trending way up, you know, because I think, like you said, I think this is going to become more and more normal every year. You know, you look at next year, which I know we're about to talk about, but yeah, I mean, you could, there's a lot of possibilities next season, you mm-hmm. know, as far as who some, some of these guys that could go and, and make an impact. Yeah. Before we get there, do want to bring up a couple undrafted free agent questions. I know um, Brandon Watson Lawrence Marshall, Tyree Kinnell, who who I for some for some reason I got in my head I thought I thought he could be drafted I thought someone could take a flyer on him. Karan Higdon, uh, we got a question from Joseph Florile or Florite. Uh, are NFL teams sleeping on Higdon or does he just have amazing blue goggles on? Don't expect him to be Todd Gurley, but seems like he could at least be a solid backup on half of NFL teams. Yeah, let's talk Higdon. Uh, the other UDFAs, we got another question. Which one do you think has the best chance uh, to make a roster? I think Kennel, personally. I think, think uh, you know, I'm not sure what his 40 time is or what his speed ended up being, but, you know, just seeing Jared Wilson, the fact that he made a roster makes me think that, that Kennel certainly could. Um, and I think he's, he's someone that I think there is never, ever going to be a worry about showing up to practice on time, you know, learning how to right. live as a professional. I mean, he was he was as mature as they come uh, in, in interviews, in my opinion. Not to say the other guys weren't, but I think there's something to be said when you're – I mean, he was voted captain over uh, some guys. Leader, yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, there were some other experienced guys on that defense that were not voted captain. He was. And, and so, yeah, I think he's, he's someone he, – he, he has a very high floor – um, uh, you know, compared to the other UDFAs, and and we'll see what he can do for a ceiling. But Higdon, real quick, I mean, yeah, kind of, kind of. I don't know, you know, I don't know what all the other running backs can do, and I didn't really, I didn't study the draft that hard. But it is kind of interesting. Uh, the draft drought for running backs at Michigan continues, and I mean, he ran for twelve hundred yards. I I. Th- gotta think he will make a roster too i really think kennel and higdon could another guy who was voted captain first team all big 10 ran for nearly 1200 yards in 11 games so um i don't know did you 
back to the question, are, are teams sleeping on them? I, I would, I would say so. I don't, I don't know how hard they're sleeping because running backs is as unfortunate as it is for players who play the position, very replaceable, you know, and it's just a position where, I mean, James Connor comes in at Pittsburgh and makes a pro bowl and Lindsay, I can't remember his first name out of Denver comes in out of nowhere and makes a pro bowl. And it's, you know, these are guys that were not superstars at any point. We're never expected to be pro bowl running backs. So it's, it's kind of a tricky position. Um, and so I guess kind of a reason why there's hope, like a lot of that too. Yeah. Yeah. For him. Right. And on the flip side of it. Um, yeah. So the NFL clearly, again, it it just feels like, especially from a draft, it goes to what you just said about replaceability. Uh, really just seems to put the emphasis on drafting running backs. Uh, I mean, I know backs, there were backs that ended up getting taken, but, you know, Mike Weber didn't get drafted till the seventh round. Uh, hmm. I was surprised to see that. Uh, LJ Scott, I guess I'm not really that surprised that he didn't get drafted. Um, I mean, he's had that ankle injury forever. I don't know how healthy he's going to stay in the NFL not to speculate or anything, I could be wrong. I just feel like that's always kind of been the knock on him was that ankle that he's been fighting for like two years, I feel like. So with Karan, I thought what was interesting is very little mileage on him. Uh, a guy I think is coming into the NFL pretty fresh at the position and, and, and was faster, yeah, like faster than what I think we anticipated. He ran faster than I thought, I think we thought he would, right? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. You know, so... I definitely, and it seems like Houston's a, a spot where he could make a roster. It's almost like, kind of feels like, he kind of feels like a guy that uh, if you had continued the draft for two more rounds or something, that he'd have been one of the next guys mm, okay. off the board. Is you get what I'm saying? So like yeah. he would have been like a, a prime UDFA type target for a lot of teams. I, I preferred I UDFA. That, yes. So I have to suspect that the, the Texans weren't the only team that were maybe looking at him. I mean, I'd be shocked if that was the case. So, and and with Tyree, I'd say this: like, I don't think I think he's a guy that would thrive in a system that's not Don Brown's system, right? Okay. Like, I think he's a guy that would do better in, in more of your basic playing more of a basic safety position where he's not asked to be covering guys man-to-man day in and day out on okay. a constant yeah. basis. And I, so, you know, that's what I'm interested to see. I, I don't know what type of defense the Bengals run or whatever, but I suspect, you know, like the, I think he's a guy that maybe does a little bit better in zone-type situations. Um, he, To me, he's much more of a – he's like an A-plus decision-maker. Hmm. Um you know, and I, I know, I think uh, sometimes his angles, his tackling technique was a little off, but, but again, I think he's a guy that will have a legitimate chance to make the roster as well. Another guy, not going all the way home, but kind of, uh, I don't think Huber Heights is too far from, it's more toward the Dayton area, if I remember right. But That's still um, close, yeah. Yeah, you know, so a guy that's also kind of going home to an extent, you know, so we'll see where that goes there. I guess I'd say this, yeah, if Jared Wilson made a draw roster coming out of Michigan, then I think Tyree can as well. Like I said, especially if he's playing in a scheme that utilizes, you know, because that's the thing. Um, you know, 
not every player on that ro- on the again. Remember, Tyree was a hoax. He was a hoax kid. Yeah, he so and Melzone. He and Melzone yep. are the only ones that stuck their commitment in that class all the way through. Right. You know, so and and was not a guy that again, not a guy that I think that would be a prototypical Don Brown free. You know, and, and that's not a knock on him. That's more of a you could probably argue that he did a pretty good job considering, like I said, I, I just really don't think that defense was geared towards his strengths as a football player. And I think he's a guy that could thrive uh, if he's playing in a different in a system that's maybe a little more suited to his talents. And I, I, I promise I don't mean that like negatively either. I, I think he, I still think he's a really good football player. I just, I just don't think the scheme was a great fit for him and, and what he's good at. Yep. So anyway, other other UDFA's Wilton Spate uh, to the 49ers, um, Brian Monet to the Seattle Seahawks, Brandon Watson to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Juwan Bushel Beatty to the Washington Redskins, Lawrence Marshall to the Bears, and uh, Brand Oh, I said Brandon Watson to the Jaguars. Yeah, Higdon to the Texans, of course, and Kennel to the to the Bengals. Yeah, I mean sometimes this stuff it, it might seem like this like nothing nothing burger non-important issue but you know it's it's a chance at the pros and and usually even if you don't make a roster you can you can make a living being a professional football player for a couple years so so we'll see what they all have in store uh but now let's turn the turn the page to 2020 uh just gonna rattle off some names i mean as you mentioned i think the five plus draft hall is gonna start to become the norm you know, maybe maybe Michigan pumps it up to six or seven with some extra development, or or maybe that at some point they they get up there with Ohio State and and Alabama, averaging nine a year. Uh, but next year's group, I mean, Ben Bredesen is obviously a, a significant one. Lavert Hill, Kalik Hudson, I think those are the top flight top tier guys. Josh Metellus, Donovan Peoples Jones, Nico Collins. You could argue Peoples Jones and Collins are. In that top tier, but as we'll talk about in a moment, skill position guys suddenly seems like they're a little out of demand. I mean, DK Metcalf took a while, and there weren't there weren't as many guys. You know, it's you know there's no Corey Davis that was taken fifth overall this year. Um, Caesar Ruiz, John Runyon, Michael and Wainu, I think are guys who have. You know, I'm not quite sure on Runyon. I'd have to ask someone who knows how to scout offensive linemen more. Um, but you know, those guys, Tariq Black. Uh, even the specialists, technically. I mean, looking at some of the players that were drafted out of the special teams position yesterday, don't think it's impossible for Quinn Nordine or or Will Hart to to get some picks. Um, Shea Patterson, obviously, uh, you know, he was a former five-star guy. He's going to be on a lot of people's radars, especially if this offense does allow him to have a big year and showcase what he can do. Um, I think I mentioned Josh Mattelis. Maybe I didn't. Sean McCune, Josh Uche. Those are guys I think are in that. Yeah, Uche's, yeah, Uche's a big one, man. I mean, he, what, eight and a half sacks in limited time? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was that much. I think it was like six or seven. Seven and a half. But, okay. but at the same time, I think I put those guys in the category, Mattelis, Uche, McCune. I think a big year could make could result in a big payday for them because I think all three sure. – all three have shown these flashes. McCune more his sophomore year. Uh, Metellus last year. Uche last year. And this year they're kind of going to be leaders. They're 
you know, on defense, they're going to have to make plays. On offense, you know, McCune, McCune's going to be that guy that they go to, you know, in those tight end type situations. So, I mean, I think I just named, what, 15 guys? So, uh, first... Oh, worth mentioning, though. Like, no, you, I, I don't feel like you mentioned anybody who's... Did you mention uh, Onwenu? Yeah, I did. Mike? Yep. Okay, yeah, because he's another one, I think, is a guy... He's a guy that I could... He's like your just textbook guy that I feel like would have a great combine for an offensive lineman and is going to fly up draft boards. Again, provided he has a good year, but, you know, I, I think the feeling is, is that he's going to have a pretty good year. Just, mm-hmm. just immense immense level of talent there. Yeah, they know? do squats at the combine? Because <laughs> if they did, he'd be... <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's, he's just... He's just built differently than other people. I want to find him in a great way. Yeah, so. yeah. He's for those that don't know, he's the team leader in squats, and it's from what I've heard is that it's like I don't know what his weight is. Won't try to pretend like I know. From what I've heard, it's pretty impressive to watch, and it's something that like the whole team kind of rallies around because they're like, "Oh, Big Mike's doing some squats, going for a PR today, and stuff like that." So, yeah, no, he's he's different. I mean, it's just the best way to say and that's it meant in the best way possible. I mean, he's just different. He's just built differently. So, um, don't think they're going to have all 15 guys drafted for what it's worth. No, but, but no, I don't think so. that's a pretty sizable list. I mean, if you'd been ta- asking about the list last year, it would have been maybe a couple of guys who stuck around Hill and Hudson, uh, you know, maybe Bredesen, but it would have been a lot shorter of a list. And I think so that, that speaks to the fact that they have more talented upperclassmen and i you know we just mentioned the talent levels rising uh real quick we did get a couple questions about the first round uh someone someone asked for an over under on who you know how many first round picks uh, i believe that was dave t over under two and a half first round picks uh for michigan in 2020 and then someone asked what upperclassmen do you see as potential future first rounders so steve uh, he said upper. He said upper. Oh, upper. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's it's basically the same question. First round. Sure. So it's it, even though we mentioned fifteen names, I don't know if I would predict anyone to be a first rounder. Three guys that stand out to me. For I'll 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 say four guys who stand out to me as guys who could vault if they really just have these exceptional senior seasons. Uh, Peoples hard not to say him. I mean, his his speed and elusiveness is, you know, we talk about you're able, he's able to do things other people just aren't able to do. I think think Ben Bredesen could get some love if he's just really mauling people. And, I mean, he's one of those ones that he's just so seasoned. If he's able to find an extra gear, I think he's a safe pick. He reminds me of maybe those guys from Notre Dame who get, get drafted and they're instantly pro bowlers because – Sure. They've just been mauling people for so long. Um, I think uh, I thought I had another one. Oh, Kalik. You know, we mentioned last week speed. I mean, if he can do a lot of the stuff Devin Bush can do and find some of that, some of that stuff and zero in on his coverage, you know, positional fits significant, but I mean, he had 18 and a half tackles for loss his sophomore year. <laughs> so if he has a similar senior year, then then I think you know hard not to see him as a potential first rounder, and then maybe Shea Patterson. I mean I think it seems like teams have gotten over the height 
issue as far as picking quarterbacks highly. Uh, but but he's someone, obviously, right now, I wouldn't predict, predict him to be first-rounder. I'm going to put the under. I'm going to take the under on two and a half. But those are four names I see as potential guys who could really, I mean, a good season for them could put them in that territory. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to go under as things stand right now, right? It's it's hard to project. The other thing, too, though, uh, it's not always about how they actually produce on the field, too, though. There's the upside factor as well. You know, and I feel like that's where a lot of guys that get drafted, particularly up front. Yeah, they love the those edge now, rushers, long-armed edge rushers. Right. <laughs> granted, granted, most of the D linemen, that, especially that went in the first round uh, this weekend, were guys who were highly recruited, right? Mm-hmm. But there is that upside factor of uh, testing, that type of stuff, where I think it could really propel a guy. That's why, like I said, with Big Mike is a guy that, you know, if he has a good – I mean, again, you have to you have to play well, I think. Uh, but if you play well, but then if you test off the charts, uh, I think you're going to drastically increase your chances. You'll have a better chance than if you had, like, a what you'd call a great year on the field. Yeah. And then test – like, then – throw out some mediocre uh, test results, excuse me. So, hard, uh, not hard under, but I just, yeah, it's hard to kind of pick who that would be. There are a handful of guys, though, yeah, that just, uh, to me, that had that upside potential uh, if things click this year. I mean, you could even look at a guy like, you look at a few tight ends getting picked early as a guy like Eubanks. Hmm. You know, if, if, if he, well, because, you know, he's very athletic, uh, I think, you know, and as a guy that definitely, you know, I think the big thing with him is, like, almost every play he made last year was a big play. Yep. You know, and the, so if, He only had eight catches. Click, it's just yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's weird. It's, yeah, it's weird to say that, but, you know, he's a guy, though, I think, like, like he's another one. I think is almost like Uche was, like, was never going to be a year one or even year two type guy. You know, it's like, so I think he's another guy that's very capable of taking a big step forward. And, uh, again, with him, the upside is just... I think it's still pretty immense, you know. And um, again, not saying he's going to be would be a first round draft pick or is even going to play well enough to lead after this year. I just think that there are so few guys out there that if everything does click, then all of a sudden you're looking at a legit NFL prospect. You know, I, I definitely think he's one of them. Yep. Yep. So look out. Well, I'll probably try to break down the list at some point. Uh, Lavert Hill. I think it's someone I, I just, I mean, we saw cornerbacks also seem to be falling out of favor as potential first rounders, uh, but I could see him in that day two mix. Honestly, he probably could have been in that day two mix this year. So we'll see what he can do next year when, when he'll have, I mean, he'll be going up against a lot of number one receivers. Uh, you know, he's not, not necessarily sharing those, those opportunities with David long. So we'll see, we'll see, but, but certainly, uh, interesting and and again go back to that story i wrote it's you're starting to see you know i think 20 2017 draft was a, a big testament to development you know a lot of lower recruited guys who weren't necessarily going to be drafted that they turned into draft picks i think this year and then i think next year are a sign of kind of what the what the norm will be under under harbaugh where it's guys he recruited highly rated guys and he's turning them into productive pros uh personal personal thought there just feels like you know we mentioned it if you want to compare it to ohio state ohio state's kicking their can in nfl development they had 35 players drafted in the last four years 
That's 14 more than Michigan, but... Right. It's also a program that's been pretty much a well-oiled machine right. for the last 15 or 20 years, right? Yep. Well, actually, you go back even further, you know, like even when even when uh, when Cooper was there and Michigan was winning a lot, Ohio State was still producing a ton of professional players. I think they're one of the few programs in college football that has not had that, like, that hiccup at some point. I mean, you see Texas now just starting to get past a, what I would call a slump. Um, mm-hmm. Florida State is start looking like they're entering a slump. Oklahoma, you know, before Stoops, I think was hitting the struggle bus. Bama before Saban. I mm-hmm. mean, think about Alabama yep. before Nick Saban came into town. You know, so it's like um, Ohio State's one of the, I mean, there's only been a couple programs in, in the country. Who They're the only one that comes to it. mind, to be honest. I can't yeah, think of another I mean, one. Yeah, like yeah. they've had such a long run of sustained success, and that doesn't, you know, that's what, have they, they got two two national titles out of it, right? Yep. Um, you know, so it's like, it's, yeah, I mean, it's that's not easy. It, it, there is, like, they had the one year after Trestle's letter, uh, whatever, and, and they have one year of fickle, and then Urban Meyer steps in and, and just basically picks right up where things left off. Well, you know, it's one so, of the best coaches in in the history of college football, you know, and it. Yep. I don't want to discredit what Ohio State did under him, but he kind of fell right in their laps, a little bit. 100%. You know, it's a former. Oh, it, 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 yeah. it, there's nothing that's. Well, it's, I can't. We can't say. We can't speak it factually, but it's. I think there's. You know, it's reasonable to deduce that. Out of, you know, out of the way things played out or whatever. So. Um, so anyway, the gap. Know, yeah. Back right. to back to what we we're talking about because we could probably talk about Ohio State all all day, but uh, the gap has narrowed. It is not closed. I don't think it's close to closed. Maybe maybe this year is that year where because because maybe Ohio State doesn't quite have quite as much on the field. In Michigan, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But certainly does seem like as far as producing pros, which again is a big part of your job because the schools that are winning titles are one's producing the most pros Michigan's getting there you know and it's it's more more than it used to be I mean they had 11 NFL draft picks in from 2010 to 2014 which is I mean you look at it now things are different so anyway I agree yep, yep. I just, just nothing, yeah, there's really no reason to elaborate on that so with that, we will we will conclude this podcast. Uh, be sure to check out all of our stories, themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. Peace.